life. Hey, is it okay if I come in? I just want to talk to you. Of course. Come on in. Sit down, please. Okay. What's your name? Amala. Amala? Mm-hmm. That's a very pretty name. Thank you. How can I help you, Amala? Um, I'm having trouble uh, with... When, with really not just school, but but life in general. So I, I thought I would come to the school counselor. Are some kids being mean to you? Are they bullying you? No, Trouble not... Trouble at home? No, not necessarily. I, I think from what I've heard, really, it's the government. I have problems with the government, too. They always want to tax you. What's your problem with the government? My government problem is that they're not handling climate change the way they should be handling it. And I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but Greta Thunberg told me that... The world is going to end in 12 years, so I don't know what to do. How does that make you feel? Uh, lately, it makes me feel like everything is pointless, and I just sit staring at walls like, why should I pursue education or life or a family or kids or anything if the world's just going to end in 12 years, so why should I even contribute to society? You, know, you ever feel like that? You're probably right. You should just give up, because the world is ending. Climate change is a real thing, and we only have 12 years left. And the fact that your parents even had you was pretty selfish of them. I thought this was going to be helpful. This is called therapy, not feel-good time, Amala. <laughs> and scene. Well, you're supposed to help me with my climate change anxiety. I did help anxiety. you. I helped you. That's not what you I did at all. I gave you the truth. What? I didn't sugarcoat it <laughs> you for you. Not, you did give me the truth at all you just backed what Greta Thunberg told me well I'm a leftist I mean it's a good thing that Will is not uh, a school counselor because I would have gone home and I don't know what I would have done I'm also died or something yeah I'm also a bartender on the weekends we do karaoke at the bar Uh, honestly I would not be surprised if most school counselors are like that why do you say that it just makes it just makes sense to me i don't i haven't had the best uh experiences with school counselors in my life we're not going to get into that today but the reason we did this opening (laughs) no i will pass the reason we did this opening is there's a lot of of climate hysteria in our world today particularly with young americans now before we get into how pervasive that problem actually is i want to read you a quote from none other than our former president mr barack obama in in this last climate summit that is uh, continuing to occur as we speak, Mr. Obama dedicated much of his speech to young activists who uh, he said were right to be frustrated. Addressing young people directly, he said that they cannot ignore politics and that while protesting and hashtags raise awareness, they should get involved in politics at some level. You don't have to be happy about it, but you can't ignore it. You can't be too pure for politics. So get in there and get your hands dirty, kids, because the world is ending and we haven't come as far as we need to go when it comes to the climate crisis. Now, he went on further. He, he put out a tweet that I want to read to you guys to get a view of how we are viewing climate, not only in the United States, but globally. Uh, he stated, we've done some important work since the Paris Agreement was signed six years ago, but we're still nowhere near where we need to be on climate. And this was him talking live from the climate summit. Now, a, a dear friend of PragerU's came out against this particular tweet and put together a little thread talking about his views on climate. He is a, an expert on, in the field. His name is Michael Schellenberger. You may know him from his book, Apocalypse Never, or his recent book, San Francisco. He wrote, 
By 2020, the U.S. has reduced its emissions 22 percent below 2005 levels. The reason nobody talks about this is because it was mostly thanks to replacing coal with fracked natural gas, which emits half the CO2 as coal and which has nothing to do with the U.N. climate agreements or climate policies. You know what Obama should do? What? He should tell his wife to not fix climate change, but to fix the disgusting lunches that they gave to all those children. What are you talking about? That is a much more important issue. And I can guarantee you that all those school lunches that they did were used, used single-use plastics with the forks and the cutlery at all these different schools. I mean, that does not surprise me. There's been a lot of hypocrisy when it comes around to this climate summit in particular and what these uh, what these politicians are advocating for. We covered a story last week where they flew in on their 400 private jets, so many private jets that they caused traffic on the taxiway mm-hmm. going into the airport. Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised by the complete and utter hypocrisy. But what is amazing to me is that In large part, if you are viewing the climate crisis through the lens of CO2 emissions and you're saying we have not come as far as we need to, my fellow Americans, we need hope, my fellow Americans. That's my Obama. That Obama? That was horrible. (laughs) I'm a woman. Anyways, why are we ignoring the fact that our CO2 emissions have dropped, like Schellenberger said, 22% since 2005? Well, you got to think about these things, Malia. Okay. When climate change is happening. It means that the earth is heating up and that's the most important thing. And we need to use renewable energy. Mm. Okay. Oh, is that all? Michael. (laughs) Oh, that was a long pause. Yes, it was. Well, yeah. And and you do make a valid point through your very strange (laughs) Obama impression. It's that what the way in which we have chosen to lower carbon emissions does not suit the narrative that it needs to be done through renewable energy it is not just the united states that has done this the eu has done the same here's another tweet from schellenberger the same thing happened in europe eu had by 2020 reduced its emissions 26 percent below its 1990 levels so 15 years off from 2005 mostly due to replacing coal again with natural gas and closing dirtier coal plants in eastern europe not Neither of which had anything to do with the U.N. climate agreements. Yeah, no one cares about what's happening in West Virginia with the closing of all the coal plants. I mean, all they care about is putting in this renewable energy. And that's what means more. Even though renewable energy costs four times more than nuclear energy, renewable energy will cost like it's something like 500 times more space to have the amount of renewable energy to to power one area than nuclear energy. No one cares about that. I mean, the nuclear energy, though, it makes the, the lobbyists, it makes the people in Congress, it makes them a ton of money when you have green companies coming in and lobbying. I mean, you had Solyndra back in the Obama administration, which cost $500 million, $500 million for the solar company Solyndra, and it went bankrupt. It went bankrupt. And that was taxpayer funded. You get any of that money back? No, you don't get any of that money back. It's just something that fails, and then it just sucks. It, you now don't get to have solar energy, and they're, they're putting out this, this inefficient energy. It's it's useless. And again, it's just because the solutions that we did find were not written in in the the Paris Climate Accord. They were not written in that agreement. So we don't want to talk about what truly works again if we're functioning on the basis that CO2 emissions and lowering those are what's are what is combating climate change right now. Here's a graph in case you don't believe me. Uh, the revision of global CO2 emissions is almost entirely due to land use to revised land use emissions. But why is this important? Why are we talking about climate change? Why are two young people, 21, 25, telling you about climate change? 
Do you have any? Are you any, asking? <laughs> no, I'm not actually asking you. I'm saying this. We are talking about it because according to a poll, 70% of Americans experience climate change, anxiety, and depression. I find it very hard to believe. 70% of people, I've never met anyone with climate change anxiety. Really? Except for like some of the crazy people I've talked to on the street, but that's like, that's pushing it. I used to have climate change anxiety. <laughs> You're a weirdo. <laughs> How did you have climate change anxiety? What do you mean? Okay, so let's talk about the the American school system. Let's talk about the Greta Thunbergs of the world. You go into school, they show you that little what the what is it Simpsons cartoon, right? Sure. Do you ever did you ever watch the An Inconvenient Truth and? Mm-hmm. Well, not in school, but I watched it. How could you watch? How could you watch that and not be completely terrified out of your mind as a young child? Because it's like the rest of the world. It's like as a young child. I mean, I didn't care about any of that. You know, I cared about Pokemon and. And stuff like that. I didn't care about political issues or climate change or anything like that. Yeah, you but know? you go to school and then you hear Al Gore tell you that Florida's going to be, I lived in Florida, that Florida's going to be underwater in a matter of years. Right. Of course you'd have anxiety and depression over that. I can't imagine being a young child going to school or wherever you go and hearing this or hearing Greta Thunberg t- tell you about it on ABC or CNN and thinking that everything's fine. Where Who's a study by? Uh, Yale. Yale? Yes. Oh, well, that makes sense. Because <laughs> Yale is a useless institution <laughs> but still careful scott's listening oh yeah scott's listening <laughs> scott oh, sorry, is listening scott. and scott did they go made to something yale, good. so they're not completely useless a new survey from yale shows that 70 percent of americans are now very or somewhat worried about global warming and more and more of them show signs of anxiety or depression as a result of that worry now uh noah oderberg who is a, a psychiatrist and psychologist is working on a new term for this sort of anxiety and depression. It is no longer uh, a coined term of post-traumatic stress disorder. There's actually a pre-post-traumatic stress disorder -hmm. disorder, to where if somebody is telling you to be cautious of what is to come, a disaster that is to come, you can have pre-post-traumatic stress disorder. Isn't that just what anxiety is? Isn't that what anxiety already is? I guess for the most part. pre-something you're worried about? But you can be anxious without being... I think without being worried about a, a specific outcome or an outcome that has been told to you. But uh, I think this is a bigger problem. It's more than just problem? climate change. It's a weak society, a society of weak people who, when they hear something that the TV tells them, they get incredibly freaked out and start having anxiety about existential climate emergencies. Like it, this could be about anything. I mean, this could be about the racism that they talk about with CRT. This could be about capitalism. This could be about anything. And they probably have anxiety about all of those different things, too, about COVID, for sure. We know people have horrific, horrific anxiety about dying from COVID and wearing three masks, even when they're outside alone. Like this anxiety and these words that they're making up and all this is, is part of a bigger problem of just a weak society of people who have no idea how to handle stress or uncomfortable situations. And they think that handling uncomfortable situations is to complain about it and say that they're stressed out about it. Instead of like doing something about it. Yeah. And I think you couple that with the elites and bureaucrats sort of tapping into that easily accessible fear and using it to advocate for policies that are pro big government and pro regulation. So that's what they do. They've done it with COVID-19. They will do it with climate. Uh, And Obama is a perfect example of that. Going to this climate summit and saying that we have 
made a, a minimal amount of progress when it comes to climate change and that we have so much more work to do while ignoring actual solutions that have been uh, written out and given to them <laughs> for the American people and for the world at large is completely disingenuous. And what it does is it plays into a deep seated fear that people have, whether that's an existential fear or just uh, an environmental fear in general, and says, well, I'll take care of that. Give me all the resources. Let me do it advocate for this policy let's sign another agreement where we where we agree to regulate all of these businesses and small businesses in america to save the environment i promise you it's to save the environment two things one when you take god out of america it means they've done studies on this and polls on this people who are not religious are far more fearful of death Mm. than people who are religious people who are religious understand that they're going to die and that is a part of life and and you know they believe that there is a afterwards of this life you know and so people who have no god treat death essentially as their god they treat the leftism as their god death is part of that and because of that then they are so fearful of death and these things give them anxiety because they feel like their life has no meaning and and this is something they're incredibly scared of they're scared of death secondly the elites in this country will make you feel fearful so that you will be dependent on them if they make you scared of climate change or scared of covid and they tell you that they have the solution it's just like in v for vendetta where the government comes in in that movie if you guys have seen that movie it's one of my favorites and it's very eerily similar to things we're dealing with now anyway the government comes in excuse me and says hey there's this mass this poisoning and we have this drug that can help you fix it when in reality the government were the one who started that that poisoning in the first place they poison the water treatment plant in the movie mm -hmm. and it's like if the government and these bureaucrats and these the mainstream media and the universities and all these people can come in and tell you that hey the world is screwed up and things are really scary right now and you should be scared this is a doomsday scenario because also god is stupid and when you die that's it and so you need to be really really worried about this life and everything that happens and the only people who can fix it are us that is how you control the masses, people. That is exactly how you do it. Get rid of God. Tell them that things are horrible. And then tell them the only people can fix it is you. You've, you've got society in your clutches right there. And even if let's let's say that climate change is the massive crisis that it, they claim it to be, that the left claims it to be. We have solutions. We have plans for this. Uh, somebody who's chosen to now take uh, a front run at climate change is actually President Macron in France. Now, what has happened is while our administration is now begging OPEC to produce more oil, another tweet from Michael Schellenberger here, France's president uses the energy crisis to announce that we will, for the first time in decades, start building nuclear plants, something that the uh, Americans should be working on as we speak, and we are not. Uh, we are building nuclear plants in the country for all of the better nuclear energy. Wow. That's really good. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, so are we seeing now countries that are going to take uh, a lead on America? Because we refuse to actually listen to truth and facts and actual studies and science for those who say follow the science while other countries do exactly what we should be doing. Yeah, I mean, other countries, I mean, many countries are already taking leads on America. Yep. We have a political system that is broken in this country. So when you have a political system that is broken, then people in other countries are going to try and do what's better for their citizens, where the American bureaucracy does not do that. It does not look to do, in many ways, what is best for their citizens. It looks to do what is best for that person who is instituting whatever policy it is. And the policies that make all of these people rich within our government don't deal with nuclear energy. It's like finding cures for cancer. I tweeted this about today, you know. Why would they find a cure for cancer when the chemo 
therapy is like such a lucrative business forever. It's the same thing. Why would they, why would they solve the energy crisis when the energy that we use is so good for them right now? You know, why, why would they want to use nuclear energy? It doesn't, it's not beneficial to them. It doesn't behoove them. No, it doesn't behoove, <laughs> doesn't behoove. <laughs> to solve these problems. Right. Uh, but we have other problems on the horizon that are largely getting recognized and hopefully solved. I think right now we're seeing an underlying restructuring of the American education system, and I hope it's a restructuring that continues to happen. Here's a story broken by Corey DeAngelis. Breaking, the South Carolina School Boards Association voted to withdraw from the National School Board Association effective immediately. Now, a lot of people might see this and go, well, what does that even mean? What does it mean that the South Carolina School Board is leaving the National School School Board Association. The National School Board Association, of course, is a federal entity that uh, sort of disseminates information down the chain of command to these separate school boards. South Carolina was one of those school boards. But you may remember a letter coming out from this current administration's DOJ characterizing parents and educators speaking out against critical race theory, this insane sex education and gender theory, characterizing them as terrorists. Why did this happen? Why did this letter get put out by the DOJ? It is because this NSBA, the National School Board Association, urged the DOJ to put out this letter and take action in regard to the parents who are choosing to protest at school boards. Here is the initial letter here. Uh, Dear Mr. President, America's public schools and its education leaders are under immediate threat. The National School Board Association, NSBA, respectfully asks federal law enforcement and other assistance to deal with the growing number of threats of violence and acts of intimidation occurring across the nation. Local school board members want to hear from their communities on important issues and that must be at the forefront of good school board governance and promotion of free speech. However, there are also must be safeguards in place to protect public schools and dedicated educator education leaders to do their jobs so the nsba writes this letter to the current administration and says help please the angry parents are coming to our school boards with their pitchforks and their torches and we need protection from them please please bring down the reign of law enforcement and the department of justice to fight these domestic terrorists who don't want us indoctrinating their children And the DOJ goes, absolutely. We will label American parents as terrorists. (laughs) Uh, So surprisingly, a lot of states aren't happy with this. And South Carolina is one of them. Of course not. Why would you be happy with it? Why do you think people don't want to be a part of your machine anymore? Because you label them as white supremacists. You label them as domestic terrorists. Who Who would support that? If you come in and some person who you've never met before who knows nothing about you comes in and says you are a domestic terrorist or says you are a white supremacist why would you ever support that person at all there's no reason to people don't like people who hate them for no reason i mean they're the same i mean they're the like masochist type of people who sit in their ivory towers and they do this this symbolic self-flagellation where they think that they're doing good for society but for the most part normal people don't want to be told that they suck every single day right they don't want to be told how terrible they are And so they don't want to side with us anymore. So good for them for leaving. They should leave. And everyone should leave. Right. Parents want to protect their children and they want their school to be emblematic of the values that they hold in their household. And right now, our public school system is not doing that. They are pushing critical race theory and telling white kids that they're oppressors and black kids that they're oppressed. And they're ranking little five year olds based on their skin color and their wealth and power and privilege. They're telling kids that they need to question their gender and their sexuality at 
just ages of which are too young to even talk about these things. We covered a story earlier in a, in a separate stream of 12 year olds being asked about sexual intercourse and their sexual history in school. This is what is being taught in our schools. And the National School Board Association has very much a, a large part in that, in that teaching, in that indoctrination. So it's no surprise that now South Carolina is going to join six other states who have chosen to completely withdraw from the association and ask for their fees backs. Now, there are 20 other 23 state school boards that have now chosen to distance themselves from the NSBA. And I think this is going to start a really big wave of school boards doing the same. Well, imagine what will happen in the future. I mean, imagine, like, let's say a generation from now, if we still have a country. In a, in a generation, we'll have those states who had separate school boards, which means essentially in lots of places, separate curriculums, mm -hmm. because they're not federally mandated, they're state mandated by states with better leadership than the federal level. And then you have an entire country where you have half of the states who are teaching children good values, right? And then you have half of the states who are teaching this federal garbage curriculum. Mm -hmm. I mean, at what point do you get to a place where you no longer have a country anymore? I mean, the, the separation between these places that are more red and the places that are more blue is becoming more and more stark every single day because a state like California is never going to leave this association, right? A state like, like Hawaii or New York, like they're never going to leave these associations, but red states will, states that are more conservative that people are going to start flocking to. I mean, I think that things like this, it's good. I'm not saying it's not good. I'm just saying that because of things like this, the divide in this country will just further and further and further because these kinds of people feel like they need to separate from this massive federal overreach. Or you see a country that just simply values states' rights. But it's still but, a country. But the so many other things are still so federal. Sure, but I think. Like, you know, think about every single day. I mean, every single day you're looking at things and you're, and you're seeing, you know, how people are trashing Florida every single day. They say Florida, death Santis, like all these horrible things about Florida. It's mm -hmm. Like we can talk about state rights and everything, but to think that it's not all connected and that and that these other states aren't worried about what the other states are doing is just, you know, it's just untrue. I think you can be worried about what other states are doing. I think that's always been the case in America. States have always gone to bat with each other about what they're doing over here and what we should be doing. And federally, we should mandate it, which is why the federal government has gotten so powerful. But if states start to take back the right, and I think this is an example of that, states taking back uh, the curriculum and education and their public school system, then maybe we can start to function like we've done videos on before as just a parallel a parallel to what other people choose to do. And if you want to go to somewhere that answers to a national school board association, head on over to California, head on over to New York, and you can chill there with your kids and mask them up for school and they can learn about critical race theory and gender theory and get sex education at five years old. Uh, and that will be your choice. But other states are not going to choose to do that. And I think that is the, uh, the best case scenario i think yours is probably the worst, it is the worst, <laughs> the worst but I case see, scenario I see it going that way. think about like think about like okay let's say west virginia again okay west virginia is a very conservative state as the most guns per household or something along those lines like people the most single firearms per capita i believe in west virginia but they have the port with maryland maryland is dc and dc is the most leftist place in the country mm -hmm. right and it's like those two have to work very closely together on so many things but then Let's say the, the West Virginia drops out of the school board. All these other things happen. They get more and more divided. It's like, how do you have two states that are supposed to coincide right next to each other, totally, absolutely have different values where they practically hate each other, especially when you have a federal tr 
uh, uh, debt that is like $30 trillion right now. I mean, it's, it's tough. We will find out. We'll That's find your out. analysis? Yeah, we will absolutely we will find, find out. out. I think it's possible. I think it is possible, which is why, uh, you know, a lot of our founding fathers advocated for states' rights so that you could have territories that were run completely differently from one, one another and were representative of what that state's specific needs were, what the demographic needs were, what the population voted for. I think that's the way this country was originally intended to be set up. Uh, we strayed from that, and which is why, again, the federal government is so powerful. But can we see a resurgence in that type of value, even on a much smaller scale than was initially intended? Totally a possibility. And I don't, I'm never one to advocate for the worst scenario. <laughs> so I'm going to keep my, my hopes about me, my silver linings about me. I'm not advocating. And I'm just I know. saying. Well, to, I, I don't want to predict. Could yeah. I'm not saying it, a civil war could. violent like that either. I'm just right. saying like a, a divorce of these places. Like, how do you have a country with that? It's hard to imagine, you know? Yeah. I mean, everything is hard to imagine. Yeah. Everything like that we're reporting on right to now. Like Nigeria and saying like, oh, they should be a country together like nigeria <laughs> and america should be a country together like no we shouldn't we're nothing alike like we're, it's totally different things between the two places if the two places if a west virginia and a maryland are so completely different and incompatible why stay together at a point it's like you know what what are you supposed to do the values are so much different you know we shall see i'm, I'm, I'm just saying <laughs> none of this sounds great but I'm always going to predict that the yeah, best of the, the scenarios it, is going right? to, yeah, it's totally fun to think about. Now well, I'm like, fun, now I actually need to go to my school counselor. Yeah. <laughs> How does that make you feel? <laughs> not great. So I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to keep saying it's possible for us to have these separate routes and eventually Prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Eventually the states that are running better, like, like I said, when you create the parallel societies that run differently and with different values, one of the states will fail and the other will prevail. And when the other prevails, that other state that is failing is going to start to mimic what is happening. Like California is seeing this massive increase in homelessness, in drug abuse, in crime, uh, in businesses leaving, in people leaving. Uh, they're going to have to shift their policies. You don't continue to function as a state with those values when the values completely deteriorate everything that makes your state worth living in. So what happens is states like South Carolina shift their policy when it comes to school boards and their schools prevail. People start moving to South Carolina. Businesses start moving to South Carolina. And then you have other states that go, oh, well, we can no longer be supported in the ideology that we currently support. Therefore, we have to change the policies that we're going through right now. Look at Virginia. They tried to push for CRT and the sex education and all this crazy stuff. And their voters and constituents said, no, we're not going to allow it. I see other countries. I mean, I see other states functioning better. That's what I'm advocating for. You will be forced to change what you believe. Not always. Not always. But, but in, in many such cases. Yes. That's the dream <laughs> scenario for sure. It is the dream scenario. And it happens. Like uh, we could say it's a dream, but look at look at Virginia last week. Yeah, we can't massive say that change. Just because Virginia voted red. Yeah, but it's, it's a massive it's, change from what we were hearing out of Loudoun County, out of Fairfax County. You know, those are yes. hotbeds for everything that's happening right now. Yes. And it shifted. So it's possible. I'm not saying it's not possible. <laughs> I said in a generation as well. I know. I know. Well, we'll see. Now, speaking of see. <laughs> speaking of a city that has just run rampant with all of the issues that we're talking about, San Francisco has this fun little billboard that we came across on Twitter. No overdose. Do it with your friends. Use with people and take turns. Try not to use alone or have someone check on you. For those of you listening on our, our, on our podcast apps, this shows a very diverse group 
group of young ladies and men uh, screaming, looking like they're at a little party. And it's clearly insinuating that they are doing drugs at this uh, little get together. And at the bottom, well, maybe Maybe. it's a it's a party that has drugs. There's some young girls. It's a party that has drugs. Uh, Now, at the bottom of this billboard, it says, is there a child there? No, that's not that a child. A child in the that's middle? a man bent down. Oh. He's just sitting in between them. Oh. <laughs> At the bottom of this billboard, it says get free naloxone, Narcan, overdose perfection, uh, prevention training. Uh, let's take care of each other, San Francisco. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, naloxone or Narcan is an opioid antagonist. Essentially what it does is once you've taken an opioid, let's say you take fentanyl because that's the new hot drug right now. You overdose on fentanyl. Uh, you, I don't know, collapse. Someone next to you has naloxone or Narcan. This can be administered typically through a nasal spray, which is what you'll see on like cops and all these like firefighter shows and everything. They will... Uh, administer that naloxone to you and what it does is it actually attaches itself to the opioid receptors uh, that are now active in your brain because you took fentanyl and it reverses the effects of the fentanyl on your brain with the intent of bringing you out of the overdose doesn't always work but in a lot of cases it does so san francisco because they have such a rampant drug problem is now giving out free naloxone and narcan to drug abusers i mean they've been doing horrible things for a while it's just more and more of the same stupid stuff from san francisco Knowing your no overdose. Well, it says no. I'm saying no as in K-N-O-W. No overdose. No. Get knowledgeable about what overdose looks like so that you can treat it when it happens. I mean, that's fine. But they're saying that people should be... It's like almost like saying go get overdosed. It's fine because you're having other people around you. Like if you think that you're going to overdose, make sure that you're doing drugs around a ton of other people. So that they can... I mean, I guess that's kind of smart. It's better than being alone, but like, still, it's like they're instead of saying "don't do drugs." Yes. <laughs> instead of saying, right. Instead of saying "stop," yes. drugs are bad for you. <laughs> they say, "Well, just make sure you're doing." It's like those those parents. You know, you have yep. parents, and they're like, "I'm the cool mom," you know, and they're like, "You know, you if you're gonna be drinking, just make sure you're drinking around here. You all the friends can come to my house and drink." It's like you shouldn't be letting your your teenage kids drink. You're not their friend. You need to tell them, "Hey." don't drink and now tell the people in san francisco don't do drugs yeah drugs are bad for you in san francisco does the opposite in nearly every case that they can which is why the city is so poorly run they give out free needles to to drug abusers they are giving out narcan and naloxone to drug abusers they are allowing people to sleep on the streets essentially what they've done is they've created a problem and instead of fixing it by making it not permissible anymore they go well at least let's try to make you comfortable while you perpetrate this problem of drug abuse let's make you comfortable while you do it let's make sure you're not too scared of an overdose so that everybody does more drugs and in fact just do it in parties now which is which is great (laughs) and we're paying for it you understand yes and we're paying for these people's drugs we are and people will see this and go well no that's actually sounds pretty good if people are going to do drugs i would hope that they do it in a safe environment and Yes, I I understand why somebody would think that, but let's talk about how the problem has exacerbated in San Francisco. Here's an article out of New York Times. Drug overdose rose across the country during the coronavirus pandemic, but in San Francisco, they skyrocketed, claiming 713 lives last year, which is more than double the 257 people who have died from the actual virus in 2020. Mm -hmm. Yet, 
if you turn on the news in San Francisco, I'm sure you'll hear nothing more than COVID-19 and vaccine mandates. Nothing of the 713 lives that have been claimed due to drug abuse. Just make sure you're doing your heroin with a mask on. Yep. That's the most important. And thing. make sure you get free Narcan from San Francisco and these organizations so that you have it on hand. So hopefully you don't die when you do it. Mm-hmm. This is this is a great solution. Yeah, they have like those tents in San Francisco where people can come and just do drugs and they give you needles and stuff. It's just amazing that we can see cities where this does not happen uh, in terms of like homelessness and drug abuse. Houston in Texas is a great example of that. They have massively decreased their homelessness and drug abuse on their streets through the different legislation that they've put in place. Uh, and in the same in the same universe lies San Francisco, which is permitting all of this. More stats on San Francisco. San Francisco's overdose death rate is higher than that of West Virginia, the state with the most severe crisis, and three times the rate of New York and Los Angeles. They're just allowing people to run around the streets and do drugs. You can read this article out of the New York Times again. It's called San Francisco contends with a different sort of epidemic drug deaths. It has uh, testimonials from people who are homeless on the street doing drugs, one of whom was a former nursing assistant who now just does sits on the street and does drugs. She talks about how police officers used to cross her and her friends uh, while they were smoking pipes. And she said a decade ago, they would have screamed, oh, police are coming. We need to run or we need to throw, we need to put our pipes away. Now police come and they just continue smoking in front of them. There's no accountability. None. Whatsoever. It's like, wait, what was I going to say? <laughs> oh, it's like, it's like, sorry. It's like parents teaching their kids and saying, hey, you win, you get a trophy. It's fine. Like you don't have to, to, to win, to get a trophy. People don't want to take responsibility when they're doing something stupid. They don't want to take responsibility for their drug abuse. They don't want to take responsibility for if they lose or if they're not doing well in something. They want someone to come and say, hey, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You're okay. Don't mm-hmm. worry. It's fine. Just keep doing what you're doing. If people feel like people will always tell them it's okay to keep doing what you're doing, they will never change. People do not take responsibility for their own actions. And people who also commit evil acts are not held accountable for their evil actions either, which is also even a bigger problem. But people will not take self-responsibility. Why do you think Jordan Peterson is so popular? Because that's all he talks about is people being responsible for themselves. Mm -hmm. And people wake up to that and they see the world around and they're like, yeah, people aren't responsible for themselves. I I like what this guy is talking about. Yeah. And it's a fundamental need that people have. And if you're not doing it, you're just deteriorating as a human being. I keep bringing up Michael Schellenberger because we rely on him for a lot of the information that he researches and puts out uh, in regard to these issues, not just climate change, but also uh, homelessness and drug abuse. He has a great book called San Francisco, uh, Why Progressives Ruin Cities. Uh, One thing to check out, but he also was on Joe Rogan recently talking about all the different things that he studied. And one of those is drug abuse and homelessness. And there are solutions. And I think we got a comment on yesterday's stream saying, it's no wonder that people don't watch conservatives or something like that. All they do is complain. They don't ever talk about solutions. There are solutions to these problems. Schellenberger in particular wrote out a whole proposal called CalPsych, where he talks about rehabilitation for people who are homeless, uh, psychiatry for people who are homeless. And a route out of homelessness and drug abuse and overdosing to a functioning society. And it just simply gets ignored because it doesn't support the leftist ideology that is so prevalent in our mainstream media, in our bureaucracy, and virtually in all facets of our society now. Also, the people who are on there complaining that conservatives never provide solutions. There's some salty leftists. We do <laughs> provide solutions all the time. That's what our show is. 
You obviously don't watch our show. (laughs) (laughs) But even so, there are some solutions I just stipulated for you. Now, some of you may ask, where are these drugs coming from? I keep hearing the term fentanyl, fentanyl, fentanyl. Where is this new, very, very popular drug, this new opioid coming from? And a lot of it is coming from the border. Ding, ding, ding. Immigration, immigration, immigration. Another issue that we refuse to shed light on. Here's an article out of CBS News. This is from a couple months ago in August. Authorities seize 2.8 tons of meth and fentanyl along the California border. 2.8 tons. 5,600 pounds of meth and fentanyl. That's a big amount of <laughs> you could You could kill a country with that amount of, uh, of meth and fentanyl. That's already has. That is insane. Yeah, honestly, you, you already have. Uh, so California now has a society that they've made drug abuse, homelessness, uh, addiction permissible and has a direct avenue of, of export and import through the border mm-hmm. another problem that nobody wants to patch up oh, again no responsibility you don't have to take any responsibility just get these drugs through it's fine oh we need to worry about the children who are coming through the border and are being separated at the border that's a real issue mm. the real issue is in the drugs the real issue is in the sex trafficking let's work on the things that make us feel good you know it feels good to have these people come across the border and say we're going to give this guatemalan immigrant a better life okay and even that might be true you might give them a better life mm-hmm. but what are you doing in the process you're letting drugs through you're having tons and tons of child sex trafficking because of your wanting to feel good yep. in your in your home so that you can have someone in your washington dc uh whatever be a, a gardener for you and who's a div- of a different race than you and you can feel good about it you can say oh i'm really helping this guy out aren't i i'm such a good person because this guy came from another country and you know he doesn't look like me and so i'm helping him out a lot that's what it does for people it makes them feel good again you don't have to take responsibility for the things that are happening in the world or the things that are happening in your community if it makes you feel good for that moment no one wants to take responsibility or be accountable at all and And what's interesting for me is that I think about my my previous self as a leftist and why I would have advocated three, four years ago for open borders in America. And it's because they thought all of these people are just searching for a dream. And what I say now to the leftist, hopefully they're leftist watching this program now, is when you look at your ideology and what you're advocating for and the legislation that you call for, think about the unsung victim. Uh, so often the left focuses on victimology. We've labeled all illegal immigrants or just simply anybody. Victimology. Yeah, it's a true. It's a true thing. At CU Boulder and I, they should teach it at CU Boulder. Uh, victimology is a, is a massive problem on the left and it's an effort to identify a victim and then take the most extreme and radical measure to quote unquote liberate that victim and we have uh taken people who come into this country illegally uh entered them through you know our scope of victimology labeled them a victim and said well the most radical answer to this problem is open borders but what we forget is these silent victims that we don't take into account in this equation and it is the young children who are being trafficked it is the drugs coming through our borders, uh, not just in California, all across the United States and in other countries. It is the women who are getting sexually assaulted, beaten, trafficked uh, across our state lines. And these are the forgotten victims of what we advocate for. So while 
Yeah, it's like it's like a small town in the middle of the country, right? And maybe there's some factory in this small town in the middle of the country. And then you let all these people, all these illegal immigrants into the country, okay? And then they move into this small town and all of these these people who were born in America, American citizens who worked at this factory, they've been working there for the last 30 years and now their wages have stayed exactly the same despite inflation going totally up. Their wages have stayed exactly the same because these illegal immigrants have come in and totally ruined labor. They have made labor mean absolutely nothing. And so those are the, the unsung people who are being affected by this. Their work means nothing when you have people coming in who are hurting all the wages like that. That's exactly what it is. So, yeah, to the leftists, I have no doubt that when it comes to these issues, your heart is in the right place. But truly, no, I don't think so. I, I do think so. I do think so, because it would have been me. It would have been me and but my heart would have been in the right place. Now. Yes. But you, what about the people who aren't here yet? You know? <laughs> not everyone can get that but the, <laughs> i think they i think can. the moral posturing from so many of these people is at a level of delusion that is that is not good i was delusional. again i think people do it for themselves i think they do it because it makes them feel good i think that's an added benefit of having uh the compassion to fight for what people fight for uh at least in my case and i know a lot of people who are just like me just think like take your take your micro uh, assessment of what's happening right now and step out of yourself for a second and think are there other victims to what i'm advocating for and it's something that a lot of people conservatives and leftists don't think about are there other victims to what i'm advocating for right now and that is going to be step one in changing your mind on these issues we think people are that altruistic yes no no way you get the added benefit of your of what you advocate for making you feel good you also get affirmation from all these other leftists around you who go you're you are so awesome like you're a warrior you're changing that's the part that they like they like that yes yes but it's also like why do you like that why do i want to be labeled as a warrior who's helping people it's because i'm helping people and i want to be seen they want the social pressures of other people seeing them as a good person i mean virtue has a lot to do with it but virtue makes you feel good because you feel like Like you think everyone who posted a black square felt like they were like like they were doing it and they didn't do it for themselves the heart of the word virtue signaling is virtue so you do think what you're doing is virtuous that's what I'm saying. Well, so you do, you do think, think you're being compassionate. you think that the people who posted the black square? Yes. You think that they really felt like they were I can tell you that something. there's a large, there's a vast amount of people who felt pressured to do it, but they truly feel like you are contributing in small part to a movement. Like I, I truly and genuinely believe that leftists believe that. <laughs> it made them feel good. I think it, it makes does them also feel make good. you it feel a, good. It is a positive feedback loop. But it makes you feel good to do what you do. Of course. I'm not saying that it makes feeling everybody. good isn't always a bad thing. Yeah. I think it makes but everybody I'm it's feel not, good. It's not altruistic. That's what I I'm saying. Like I, people aren't doing things out of the goodness of their heart because they want to help the poor, downtrodden, illegal immigrant. They do. They help the poor, downtrodden, illegal immigrant because it makes them feel good about themselves to help them. I think it's a multi, multi-structured sure. decision. It's for all sorts of different things, for all sorts of different but people. But I do and it's think different. I do think the heart of it is a ver- is is compassion. I just don't think people are that altruistic. It's just like Dennis says. You know, people are not born. They're, they're born not good. You know, it's like, that's how people are. You have to be taught these kinds of things. So when people are living this way, they are not living in an altruistic manner. They're not doing things for other people. They're doing it for themselves. The point of conservatism and the point of the things that we preach about is for people not to just think of themselves. They need to think of themselves as someone who is a free thinker, right? Because when you're a free thinker, then you are doing things that are not necessarily exactly what the herd wants you to do. The things that will just make you feel good from a vapid sense. I think, yeah, I think there's a real difference there. I, I don't think people are so altruistic. I think that you have to be taught to be more selfless and think about other people. 
we should dedicate an episode to altruism versus self-righteousness. What is the left true true motivation? Maybe we'll, we'll maybe we'll do that. That'd be fun. <laughs> I think it's it's I think it's something worth discussing. Uh, I would definitely fall through the the sort of altruistic compassionate. I do think uh, self-righteousness makes it easier to adopt leftism, uh, and that's just where I fall currently. <laughs> what do you think, Taylor? Um, I think that are you listening? Yeah, I am listening. No, I'm watching the comments too. But oh, okay. I, I think it's uh, like a, like uh, Amla says, it's kind of multivariate. Mm-hmm. I think that especially like in the earlier stages, like people, the less um, the less involved people are, like the the hardcore activists. I think. Well, I don't know. I think it's it's blended motivations. You, you it's a feedback loop. Yep. You you feel empathetic, and so you feel gratified by um, doing something about that empathy, even if it has negative unintended consequences. And then everyone pats you on the back yep. for doing the same display of activism that everyone else is doing. And it's more about like creating this group around we're all uh, we're all the people who are empathetic and everyone else. But it, the problem is, it just it doesn't work. It's not based on facts. It doesn't work actually create the outcomes that you're trying to advocate for and but you don't care because you're in this echo chamber of everyone we're all posting the black squares and this is what's going to solve mm-hmm. racism and in reality you're you're the net effect of what you're doing is just virtue signaling yeah. and but you're okay with that, that dumb. It, i do you know? i think it's they don't they don't bother to think more deeply about what they're doing because they're already satisfied it's like okay i see yeah. the problem i'm emotionally stirred about the problem i'm given a prepackaged easy way to solve the problem or to feel like i'm solving the problem so i'm going to check that box and then everyone's going to pat me on the back and now i'm on the inside and then the real problem is the people who aren't in doing the same thing that we're all doing it's those evil conservatives who are thinking more deeply about these problems and, and trying to actually solve them yeah it's not stupidity and i think that's like something that uh, well, I think it well, is stupidity because it's a shallow yeah, form of thinking. Stupidity. I don't think it's stupidity either. I think it's like the the heart of that feedback loop. How do you get into the feedback loop that is leftism? And the heart of that is this visceral emotional sadness that is tapped into, whether that's from like, I don't know, a story of Ahmaud Arbery getting, getting shot in daylight. You hear that and you go, oh my gosh, that struck something in me. That is devastatingly sad. And then you go down the rabbit hole of what can I do about this? And then you go, okay, well, I want to get involved. And then you get involved and then you get the affirmation from people that builds up that self-righteousness. But it starts with this, what can I do visceral feeling that you get when you hear things like this? Yeah, but someone only gets that because it's in the mainstream media yeah. and all these other people are seeing it and they feel like that is the okay thing to think. They're not doing it because they're the first person to ever see this and take on. I mean, there are, no. there are leaders out there who do yeah. these kinds of things, of course. But I'm right. saying 99.99% of people see something that's already happened. There is an approved point of view and then it makes them feel good to be a part of that. I don't know. I you think know? agree to disagree. Like what makes you, what makes people <laughs> feel better? Is it Does it feel better? Like... Here living in Los Angeles, so much of the time, I feel like a pariah. I go into a store, I don't wear a mask, I feel like a pariah. I feel in a lot of ways alone, a lot of the things I do, especially especially when you're in a position of leadership. Like, you feel very alone in a lot of that, right? And it's like, what feels better? Getting social approval from other people for having, you know, your opinion or not. I mean, it's obvious. We're going to have to move on, but I think the social approval is secondary to the initial feeling of doing something good. It's just just an argument of what is primary and what is secondary. And the primary motivation is I'm a compassionate person who isn't killing grandmothers. It just so happens that millions of other people are as well, and they dominate the mainstream narrative. And now I have these millions of people to affirm me in my self-righteousness after I've decided that I'm not going to be the one who kills grandmothers. I don't think so. I think it comes first. <laughs> you think that it's okay. So I you don't. think that yours is primary. Well, 
Let's move That's on to okay. something else <laughs> that is it's coming. It's so much fun. I know. We will, we'll have it to dedicate it. Yeah. It is a fun discussion. This is the Taylor-approved Will It Rabbit Hole on <laughs> Will It Live, for what it's worth. First one ever. Yes. Which we will have to dissect at a later at a later date, but it is an interesting discussion. You guys put in the comments down below when the stream ends, what do you think is primary and what do you think is secondary? Is it altruism or is it self-righteousness? One more story out of San Francisco. Here is... The headline, San Francisco will require children 5 to 11 to show proof of COVID vaccine for some indoor activities. What are these indoor activities? This includes gyms, restaurants, sporting events. Great stuff. So a reason you had that affectation when you... <sighs> I'm just that. like so sad to hear that uh, kids this young are going to be forced to do something like this. And parents are going to be forced to do this to the kids. I mean, in large part, I think uh, well, parents some are parents choose. are going to, I think some parents are going to go to bat for their children. Yeah. But uh, it's just sad. I think many of the parents, if this is in San Francisco at least, I mean, the parents are going to be ecstatic this is happening. They're like, finally, I can give the jab to my kid. And there are. How many times can I give the jab to my kid? Just jab, jab, jab. Yeah, and you can look up these videos. There are already lines of kids, five to 11 year olds with their parents uh, already receiving vaccinations. So, I mean. Good job, America. Your choice. You single-handedly gave some of the most evil people in America even more power and money. Good job. Good job for not doing your research. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, this is not a surprising thing to hear, uh, specifically out of this city, with all the coverage that we've done so far just today on this. Uh, it's just really sad to hear that we have in large, not even in, in full, abandoned the truth and the analysis when it comes to this decision. There is no need for this to be happening. Like I said, just with the drug abuse stats alone, uh, almost triple quadruple the amount of deaths due to drug abuse than to COVID-19 and those COVID deaths are not children so why are we enforcing that 5 to 11 year olds be vaccinated there are literally more deaths from drugs in San Francisco so 714 right hmm? 714 yes deaths from drugs in San Francisco than the amount of all deaths yep. from people who are 0 to 11 right. in this country in total yep. from COVID yep. in the entire country how yeah. crazy is that? Yeah. And then you're getting stupid idiots. Money hungry. Money hungry. Anyways. I hate them. <laughs> I, hate them. Uh, I do hate them. I hate, I hate the people who are doing this to our country. Yeah. I that's, genuinely hate them. That's just a, just a quick update when it comes to that. You already know how we feel about it. We know how you feel about that. Uh, it's just devastating to hear that kids that young are going to be forced to be vaccinated to live their childhoods. Very, very sad. But are there going to be repercussions? Here's our last COVID-related article. Uh, the president of In-N-Out is now in talks with Ron DeSantis, uh, a Florida governor, uh, in after the uh, uh, closure of their In-N-Out locations in San Francisco. Essentially, what the In-N-Out decided was that, hey, we're not going to go along with these vaccine mandates. What I will do is put the pre-approved government documents that need to be posted on our doors and our business on them, but I'm refusing to check for vaccine papers. Uh, the business uh, researcher and officer for In-N-Out stated that we will not go along with policing people's vaccinations. In fact, it is a detriment to our business and to other people's health. We refuse. Hell yeah. Yeah. In-N-Out. 
So uh, this article doesn't stipulate whether or not there are talks of moving in and out to Florida from San Francisco, although I do imagine that was discussed on this phone call because Florida did put out a large offer to house in and out uh, in their state in lieu of what was happening with the vaccine mandates. So is in and out coming to Florida? Find out next week. <laughs> Tune in next week. We'll discuss after this commercial break. Cliffhanger. I wish in now would come to Florida. But then nowhere else. Okay? Nowhere else. It can go to Florida. Mm. Can't go anywhere else. Mm. All right? Don't ruin it. It's supposed to be cool and only be in a select amount of places. You know? It's like if you have a party and then you let everyone into the party, it's no oh, longer cool. It's gotcha. like you only want to let in the cool kids. If you let in, you know, Nebraska to in and out Wow. It's not going to be as cool anymore. Wow. You know? I'm a fan of everybody having in and out It It's just so good that everybody should be allowed to have it. Will's an in and out elitist. <laughs> he he really is. The wealth to himself. I hope you guys in Nebraska watching this don't take that too personally. I love yeah. Nebraska. Sorry, been, Nebraska. You know, but you know, you want it to be, it's like a beachy type of thing. You know, it's like, that's <laughs> what it's like. You guys can have yeah. corn and out. <laughs> <laughs> now in the field and out. <laughs> Speaking of intense cliffhangers, we are back to the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, which is one of the, I mean, most salacious trials in in a long while in terms of uh, what we would call a self-defense trial. This is the biggest one since George Zimmerman uh, and what happened in, in Florida. What are the trials that you guys like sat in front of your TV and you're like, I have to watch this verdict? I know for me, it was definitely Zimmerman uh chauvin casey anthony and it's definitely going to be this oh, one casey too Casey anthony i remember were that. you casey even anthony? alive for casey anthony i was alive for casey anthony i was alive for casey Anthony. almost favorite in Florida. Is, was uh, lee harvey oswald <laughs> 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 and casey anthony is from zimmerman and anthony are both from florida we florida got florida man we always get crazy cases out of florida i know every we really do man wrestles alligator and kills antifa member <laughs> Every single week, some crazy like that in Florida. I just remember uh, any Floridian. It is largely accepted that Casey Anthony is guilty. It's just uh, it's I don't remember part of the case. part of the lexicon. She killed her daughter, but anyways. Uh, How do you know? Did they say she was guilty or not? Oh, I just she was found not guilty. She was found not guilty, but she was very clearly guilty. Uh, and any Floridian, oh. uh, virtually any she, like, American, tweets about stuff now. She's like really outspoken she's, like, about all kinds of stuff. She's back to normal. Yeah, she's yeah. back in her normal outspoken life. Outspoken about what? Is she conservative? No, I don't know. Oh, no. She's a leftist. I Who knows? So. Let's put her on the show. Let's not. Let's do get that. down to the truth. Let's of please that. not <laughs> do that. Anyways. You guys remember Scott Peterson? They're, yes. Yeah, that and Lacey. Thing? Scott yeah. and Lacey. Yeah. That was a one. Huh? What was that? That he killed his pregnant wife. Is that John and Kate plus eight? No. Gosh. It's different. That's <laughs> very different. He didn't kill oh. his wife, did no. he? No. No, John well, and Kate are just wondering. divorced. What was that? What? Oh They're divorced? Okay. Oh. We're spreading gossip on this show. <laughs> He's literally spreading misinformation. Hey, what about Chip and... Uh... Oh my gosh. <laughs> They're the other... great. Yeah, They're Chip. still together. Their biggest no, scandal is they, they got... went to Hillsong Church. Oh I thought gosh. they got divorced. Too. Okay, we're going to move on now because Will does not have any valid information when it comes to uh, crimes, true crime at all. Uh, so I only let... like fake crime. Let's give our updates in regard to the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Our last update was yesterday where we found out that Grosskreutz, one of the men shot and injured by Kyle Rittenhouse, was in fact pointing his pistol at Kyle when the incident occurred, which points towards self-defense. We have another break in the case today. I feel like a lawyer. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, a medical examiner who was brought up for cross-examination in regard to Rosenbaum, one of Kyle's victims, who was killed 
uh, in the attack, as they call it, uh, this medical examiner was brought up to discuss an injury that Rosenbaum had received on his hand uh, after coming into contact with Kyle Rittenhouse. It was an injury incurred by the AR-15 that Kyle was holding. And here's the information that the medical examiner had. Doctor, we talked about this hand wound and where and how that occurred. Um, if someone is pointing a rifle at you, an AR-15, do you have an explanation of how that hand could be positioned that would result in the injury shown and then also uh, perhaps the injury to the thigh from that same round? Well, as I said, this is a, a close range injury. Um, and uh, so his hand is in close proximity or in contact with the end of that rifle. Um, so. You, you can always you can kind of think of it in your in your head you know if you put if you put the end of the rifle close to that trajectory through his hand um, you move the hand around that's you can put it in different uh, relationships to the body that uh, can explain that uh, typically by turning the palm towards the ground it would make make uh, sense that it could uh, go through the hand hit the ground and then create the injuries to the uh, uh, the left side of the thigh. There we go. And guys, obviously they're not victims, which is why the air quotes are there. Uh, so if you're listening on Spotify, Apple, or Google Play, wink, wink, as you should be, <laughs> quote victims, Rosenbaum and Grosskreutz. So essentially, uh, for those of you who could not exactly keep up with what that medical examiner said. They said that Rosenbaum incurred that injury on his hand because he was either in extremely close proximity to or in the process of grabbing Kyle Rittenhouse's AR-15 at the time that he was shot. And when the round did go off, it then injured his hand, bounced off and hit him in the thigh, which again points towards uh, the finding of self-defense in this case. This is really open and shut. I just love how all the mainstream media outlets, they basically called each other. I don't know if they did, but it basically <laughs> seems like they did. Mm -hmm. They called each other and were like, hey, we need to we need to fix this right now. We need to fix it. And so for the the guy uh, who was in the trial yesterday, and they called Rose Cruz, and, and they said, hey, He's going to be our lone survivor. And on all the different articles, it says lone survivor talks about this lone survivor and lone survivor. It's like that is the propaganda machine that the mainstream media is. Instead of admitting what actually happened in the trial, they say lone survivor to make it seem like, oh, it's this horrific, terrible white supremacist attack. No, no, you don't have to say lone survivor. Just say yep. guy. Yep. Or say his name. Like, yeah, whatever. You understand. <laughs> it is very ridiculous the amount of propaganda that was put out uh, around this case. I will pull up some articles for you, but here's what Facebook did. As soon as this case broke with Kyle Rittenhouse, as soon as the shootings happened in August of last year, Facebook immediately put a ban on anything that was going to be posted on their platform in support of Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, think about Facebook and, and their attachment to the court of public opinion what people see, the information that people are privy to when it comes to these groundbreaking large cases, national cases, and they get to control the narrative here. They got to control at the time that this broke whether or not Kyle Rittenhouse was seen as a victim or an extremist, and they chose to paint him as an extremist. And how are they looking now? They're looking like fools, but they don't care that. They don't care about that. 
They know exactly what they were doing, and they chose to censor people who were supporting Kyle Rittenhouse. And, and what has that done? What you've successfully done is used your platform, used your influence, use your power to influence the public opinion in regard to Kyle Rittenhouse, a 17-year-old victim in this case. And now we're finding out that he wasn't at all. And anybody who had seen the video footage as it came out last year would know that. Uh, but people love to jump to conclusions, love to make plays at things that already support the ideology that they ha that they are predisposed to. So every leftist who heard about Kyle Rittenhouse automatically put him in the boat of an extremist and Facebook helped with that. It's yeah. disgusting. Yeah, of course. And the video evidence was so obvious just off the beginning. How people didn't see it was, that's how bad the propaganda is. That even if you see truth right in front of your face, you're like, oh, this isn't true. I mean, it's, it's just... It points out just such a, a huge fatal flaw in our system. And it truly does show how how rigged it is against you and, and what you believe and your family. Like, imagine if this was you. This could have been anybody. And this was a brave young man who wanted to go and help and apply first aid to people who were riding in streets and put out fires for local businesses who were being harmed by people who wanted to to burn down their lives, livelihoods in the name of what BLM and is now on trial at 18 years old now, a year later, uh, facing some significant charges that are all based on lies and propaganda. It's got to be devastating to be that boy. Second defense means second amendment means nothing. It means nothing. They don't care about it at all. Just screw it. You're going to stomp all over it. You know, the constitution doesn't matter to any of these people. Really? No, it doesn't. We'll see what happens. I mean, if he really, if he is found guilty of those charges, I mean, it is going to be, I mean, that is going to be a big deal. A really big deal. Yes, it is. Now, last update on the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Uh, the prosecution has rested today, uh, rested its case in the murder trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. They've now decided we are done calling witnesses, done cross-examining, and we will move on from here. We are going to get a verdict here soon uh, within the coming days, and I'm sure a lot of people will be sitting on the edge of their couches, on the edge of their seats to see what happens in this case, Kyle, more than any of us. Now, let's get into TikTok Tuesday. We've got some, I don't even wanna call them fun, but there are some interesting TikToks. Here is number one for your viewing pleasure. If you are a white woman that claims you support Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ+, any progressive ideals, concepts, beliefs, you cannot in the same breath also be in a relationship with a man that is conservative or voted for Trump. When you do that, you are choosing to actively still lay in bed with white supremacy and still protect your white comfort. You cannot say that you care about these progressive ideals while still being in a relationship with someone that is actively oppressing those ideals and beliefs. I mean, she's she's not she's kind of right. horribly wrong. I mean, she's wrong about the white supremacy stuff. Right. Obviously. Of course. But she's right. She's definitely right. It's like if you are if you're Jewish, would you go and date a Nazi? Like, of course not. No, that'd be so dumb. Like if someone is antith antithetical to your beliefs, why would you wouldn't go date that person? Sure. Yeah, I can yeah. see where the, the comparison could somewhat aptly be made. I think what the the, the true underlying thing is, of course, if you, you probably shouldn't date somebody who is completely uh, against what you stand for and what your values are. But to say that conservatives and leftists can't date each other in, in large part is wrong. I think there's plenty of people who date people that disagree with them in some parts or not all. And just to say somebody voted for a different president than you voted for 
takes them out of your dating pool is kind of it's kind of dumb uh but i can understand wanting to date people who share your values which is what everybody should have as uh as an ideal i think for a more successful relationship my issue is with the white supremacist thing. yeah yeah we get the question about should conservatives and liberals date or whatever right, like every right. week but this is what makes this different is her or her whole her whole argument is staked on the idea that the reason why you should not date to conservatives is because it contributes and upholds white supremacy right mm. well exactly. she doesn't substantiate anything no she doesn't you know she's some stupid kid oh and now let's move on to our second and last tiktok for tiktok tuesday and we're gonna learn about some new uh, identities. Uh, not new for me, but maybe new for those of you who are not super well versed. Yeah. I've in, always tried these ones before. In left, I've tried all the identities and somehow landed back at female. So that's really great for me. Here we go. Everyone in the comments keeps asking me what the difference between Demi Boy and Libra Mask are. So I'm glad you asked. The main difference between the two that people who identify as Libra mask feel more agendered than they do partially boy versus people who identify as demi boy who can be any gender but partially feel like a boy and they might not be another gender either they could just feel partially like turn a boy. this off <laughs> okay. and that's okay it's okay will different from each other and people who identify as either dummy boy or Libra mask have their own reasons for identifying that way and in the end down to what they feel most comfortable identifying as and what feels most like them. And every Libra mask and Demi Boy are different from each other. But we love all our Demi Boy fuzzballs and Libra mask fuzzballs, yeah! We love Imagine. all our Demi Boy fuzzballs and Libra mask fuzzballs. I've never heard any of these words before. Just imagine being the dad of this child and just walking, you're walking down the hallway in your house and your, your kid's door is closed and you have like a football. You're like, maybe they'll want to go, you know, throw the old pig skin. And you like put your ear up against the door and you hear them recording this. How do you feel as a dad? I mean, this is like legitimately, that's crazy. It's craziness. It's literally crazy. That's very strange. It's more than strange. I mean, that is like, that is just not real. It is just nonsense. It's literally nonsense. Those are words that are not <laughs> real. Back in my day, we had boys and girls. And nowadays, we have 17 million options. I'm old enough to remember when, you know, times were different. Like, we can't keep, like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like any of those things are real. They're well, not guess real. What? You ready for some stats? You ready? I'm just saying, first, sure. it's not real. Okay? <laughs> Libra mask or demi fuzzball like none of that's not real it's not real stuff why are we even it's like it's like conservatives sometimes will be like talking about these things and it's like well why are we talking about like what's going on with this it's like it's just, that's, that's just not real we're talking about it because 30 percent of millennials now identify as some part of the lgbtq plus community while 39 percent of those ages 18 to 39 percent ages 18 to 24 identify as some category within the acronym which is now what, two S L G B T Q A A I plus 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 plus. Mm -hmm. So again, with that other survey from the beginning of the show, I don't know how I I would <laughs> tell everyone to take this with a grain of salt for sure. I mean, thirty nine percent that's that's a lot of people. I'm gonna be honest. That's recent study conducted by the Arizona Christian University. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't really trust it, but. I'll take it with a grain of salt. Sure. But let's say, you know, we know it's, it's increasing though. We know it's increasing. Exponentially increasing. Yes, we yes, know this which for is, a fact. Yeah, of course. And that's definitely true. Concerning. 
it's very concerning because it's not it, it's people thinking that the the school pressures them into thinking these things it's not them coming to these things on their own volition you know this isn't like someone in the 1960s like figuring it out and saying like oh like this is something different and people don't really like me for it like this this is like a different time it's a whole different time in america where now in your school they tell you how great it is and all these different things and people don't even know i mean they haven't gone through puberty yet and you're telling them that they're probably transsexual and gay and and fuzzball like like what does that even mean man i think the fuzzball was just a nice little uh, pet name that's, what you, it's not, that's what you ball. think hopefully it's not an identity that's what you think <laughs> do i need to urban dictionary fuzzball oh, <laughs> i'm I, not gonna do it i'm not gonna do it not live on the air yeah yeah Afterwards. not live on the air <laughs> Afterwards, we'll look it up Anyways, guys, you know, we have to keep up to date with all the new identities that are coming out for commentary. So we figured you should keep up to date with them, too. Demi Boy and Libra Mask. So now you've learned two identities and you've Wasn't had a presidential candidate once upon a time. <laughs> yeah. Ralph Nader and uh, Libra Mask Demi Boy. They ran in a paper ticket. Yeah. Libra Mask. Libra Mask. Libra Mask. Yes. Libra Mask. Libra Double Mask. Yeah. I was just going to say that. You stole it. That is really oh. good. That I guess was I'm really just faster good. and quicker than you. I yeah, I but that video didn't wittier. even explain what they were. Yes, yeah, she did. Okay. Well, they Do didn't you need explain, me to explain it, so it really I can quickly. understand it. <laughs> Even if you explain it, I'm not going to get it. Okay. Do you know what agender means? <clears throat> I know what a gender is. Okay. <laughs> agender means you don't identify as either gender. Oh my God. Okay. Right. So a Libra mask is somebody who is mostly agender. Let's say like 80% agender. How can you be 80% agender? Let's just say. And then on certain days feel more masculine or boyish. So you are partly boyish, but the other large sum of you is agendered. <laughs> Demi boys. That is so <laughs> ridiculous. Demi that boys just like have that same twenty percent of feeling a boy, or does I'm just making up a fake stat, but same twenty percent of, of of feeling like a boy. But that other eighty percent is not a gender; it has an actual other gender. What did you just say? <laughs> I have no idea what you no. just said. Literally, no idea. Oh, that's no amazing. My leftism has left me very well equipped to have these conversations, I think. I was on the left and I didn't know about it. Well, you weren't like extreme. You weren't like working in it every day. Like I had to listen to this stuff every day of my life. I see. I'm just like, even like, even as a leftist thinking that socialism was cool and like black lives matter stuff. I mean, I couldn't, I never would have gone behind this stuff if this was in my day. Yeah. I would have been like, back in my day, you know, I was like, people thought. I don't know. I'm just like, what the, what? You're just like, oh yeah, the government should. (laughs) I'm Demi Chad. (laughs) You were just like, oh, the government should probably like help us out with school and like healthcare and stuff. Yeah. And the police stuff and, you know, Obama was the best and climate change and things like that. But none of this. I was like the way more extreme version. Like when I was in high school, like this gender stuff wasn't around, you know, no one, no one talks about that. Like people would say like, like that's when people used to say like, uh, I don't, I don't know what the word, there weren't even words for this stuff. Back in the day, like no one talked about this. There was just like you know, gay no, and lesbian. Like how come? We said like transvestite. Yeah, exactly. Like how come no one, when we were in high school, Taylor, and Taylor's even older than me, when we were in high school, I didn't know one trans person. I never even heard about it, like ever. I did when I was in high school. See, but you're younger than us. I you're know. like 12 years old. But oh like for us who God. are older, like we, I never knew one. Did you know one throughout your entire, like I never no. met one my entire life growing up. Never one. And now, if you went into a public school or any of these things, 
everyone thinks that they're a different gender or a fuzzball or whatever it is. It's crazy. Yeah. A fuzzball. <laughs> it's an interesting life, and uh, we're along for the ride. Will, Almla, Taylor. That's your ec- excellent breakdown. That is my excellent <laughs> breakdown. We're just here. I'm like, uh, usually the one with all the like hopeful, spicy takes and everything. You're just like, the hopeful, spicy take. the hopeful, spicy take is that I think the majority of people, regardless of where you lie, what your political affiliation is, see that that sounds crazy. And uh, if you go on the comments of that TikTok, even on the platform itself, you will find the majority of people, even within my generation, Gen Z, think that that's a little a little off the rocker and they are commenting about it and saying that this is not normal you which feel is bad for the person you feel bad for that person saying those things like they have been so misguided i don't know where they got that information from i couldn't tell you excuse me but i mean you feel bad for them that's horrible that they think th- that those things are like legit yep it's a little sad it is sad it's incredibly sad that this person talking about that yeah like, which is why we have those conversations and hopefully we're reaching wrong, young people, wrong people. Hopefully we're missing, we're reaching young people, <laughs> just having a mini stroke okay. live in front of everybody. Uh, hopefully fuzzball we're reaching a <laughs> fuzzball moment. We're reaching young people who disagree with us and are hopefully getting a different perspective on the way that we see the world because it is getting a little clowny, you know a how, little goober the clown. You know how YouTube, like YouTubers will have like names for their fans and yeah. stuff? We should call our fans fuzzballs. Oh, no. I completely disagree. <laughs> we will come up. Could do a poll. Oh. You guys want to be called the fuzzballs? No, you guys comment down below after we finish the stream what you want your fan name to be. And whichever one gets the most likes, we will deliberate yeah. on. How's that? <laughs> I think it's a good idea. There's going to be something mean to me. Is it? It's going to be like the stashes or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's good. That's actually nice. That's okay. Too. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. I don't Epinobites. think it'll be mean to you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it'll be mean to you. Anyways, guys, thank you guys so much for watching. You guys figure out what your fan name will be and drop it down below in the comments. The one with the most likes we will sort of deliberate on. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll debate whether or not that'll be the name for our will and Amala live watchers. Thank yeah. you guys so we'll much for watching. Fuzzballs. Please don't. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for watching. Remember to like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single day when we go live, 2.30 PST, 5.30 Eastern. If you would like to listen to us rather than watch, go to Google Play, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Not five, not four, not three, not two, two. I said not five. Definitely five, not four, not three, not two, not one. You guys can put it in half speed if you're having trouble understanding what I'm saying. Just say things you want to say. No, because it's too long and it takes me forever. Well, then don't say all the things. let everybody else know that you love the show. Let us know that you love the show, but they have to do all these things because it's a lot. You know, it's a laundry list. Giving you guys your your it's more than your daily list. chores. <laughs> and <laughs> we're gonna be back tomorrow. The three of us, Will, Amala, Taylor, to discuss hot topics, breaking stories, cultural, I don't know, happenings. <laughs> Stay fuzzy, my friends. Stay fuzzy, fuzzballs.